It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast, Thursday, January 18th. That means it is the heart of college basketball season. Football kind of on the back burner, although recruiting picking back up. So we're focusing on hoops because for the first time in five years, there's a reason to focus on basketball. And, uh, you know, sometimes on this podcast, like I really go to a lot of effort and get guests. Like last week we had Drew Locke and, and we talk about things all over the country. And then sometimes I just frankly kind of sit on my ass and wake up Thursday morning and go, oh, I'm supposed to do a podcast. And so that's what we did this week. So uh, this week you just get me and Keegan Pope, who covers the basketball team with me for Power Mizzou, kind of uh, talking about Missouri basketball. What's up, Keegan? How's it going? Not bad. Uh, you're you're like my uh, fall fallback fill in, so I appreciate you uh, being available between uh, the yeah. prestigious graduate level journalism classes. Yeah, I'm uh, happy to follow up Drew Locke. I don't know if I can uh, rise to his level, but I hope to provide something of interest. It will probably get fewer listens. I mean, I'll I'll just be honest, but we'll we'll go ahead and blame that at least fifty percent on me. I'll take like fifty one percent of the blame. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's start. I, I mean, last night, like best win of the season, no question, right? Absolutely. Uh, I think defensively, Missouri showed kind of what Conzo Martin has been expecting from them. Obviously, they've been very good offensively earlier in the year and one of the better three point shooting teams. But uh, defensively, they would just struggle to make stops down the stretch. And even though they gave away a nine-point lead. Uh, Tennessee got it down to one there in the last couple minutes. They made enough plays, including that Cassius Robertson steal uh, there in the final minute to kind of seal this one and I think get that monkey off their back um, of not being able to close out games uh, and, in the last couple minutes. And I kind of thought, I, I was thinking, this is, I, I considered writing about this last night, but I didn't because, it, like, Conzo quite obviously doesn't want to focus on it and it's it was kind of a minor storyline, but that game was so poetic against Tennessee. You've got two of the top 20 uh, three-point shooting teams in the country, teams that average like 78, 80 points a game. The reason Tennessee fans hated Conzo Martin is because he played what they thought was ugly, boring basketball. And I mean, 59-55, just incredibly poetic for that to be the game where he beats his former school. Absolutely, and I think it also just showed um, that Missouri is capable of winning in multiple ways. They've showed um, they can score a lot of points, but I think last night showed that um, even when some of their better shooters like Jordan Barnett and Cassius Robertson can't hit anything in the first half and really for most of the game that um, they can make plays defensively, and I think probably that put a smile on Conzo Martin's face to see his team hold a uh, Pretty good Tennessee offensive team, 25 points below their season average. And I really think, like, from Tennessee's perspective, like, Missouri's just not a good matchup for them. If Jonte Porter's going to play well, if Jeremiah Tillman's going to stay on the floor, and if Kevin Purrier's especially going to play the way he did, but their big men basically are a probably a little bit more athletic version of Kevin Purrier. Like, they just give up so much size to Missouri outside of the one six eleven kid who actually played pretty well last night. I, I think, like, Tennessee at the end of the year might be a better team, but I, I just think this is a case maybe of the matchup against Missouri isn't very good. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, you saw that with um, guys like Admiral Schofield. Um, I think he ended up shooting 
four of 11, maybe four of 12 from the field last night. Um, and that's just tough when you're playing against a guy like Jonte Porter, Jeremiah Tillman, um, trying to score against that length um, when you're used to playing against or practicing against even guys that are a similar size. And um, I mean, in some of those guys' case, they're I mean built more like tight ends than they are power forwards. Yeah. And they're able to kind of bully people, and they weren't able to do that last night for most of the game. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend to know SEC rosters by heart, but Admiral Schofield has to be on the SEC all-name team, right? Yeah, absolutely. He might be on the uh, NCAA all-name team yeah. right now. <laughs> Big fan. But, uh, <laughs> you, you know, speaking of matchups, like you were saying how, how Tennessee can't simulate what Missouri had. Conzo said the same thing after the Arkansas game. Like, we asked him about that press and, and all that, and he said, it's really hard to simulate in practice when you don't have the personnel to do it. Like, it, you can prepare for what you think it's going to be, but Missouri just doesn't have the guys to do what Mike Anderson's team does. So the first half in Fayetteville, they go down, and I mean, I, I guess that's the reason they looked like they, they really weren't sure that Arkansas was actually going to press them for 20 minutes. Yeah, well, and it was interesting to me when he said that because, I mean, they go out against West Virginia, who has right. I mean, a, a press that is as good or even better than the one that Arkansas throws at you. And, I mean, they picked that thing apart in the first half. And, I mean, really for the first probably 30 minutes of that game, they really didn't have a problem with it until they went that, I don't know, six- or seven-minute stretch where I think they had nine turnovers. Um, but I think, yeah, just it depends on um, kind of what you're facing. And I think the bigger thing with Arkansas's press is just the length that they have um, up in the, or in the backcourt. I mean, you're going against guards that are – Six four, six five, instead of some of those West Virginia guards who are, I mean, more the Jordan Geis size, right. and just trying to pass out of some of those double teams is where kind of Missouri seemed to find some trouble with that. So we're going to back up and take kind of the ten thousand foot view. I mean, I I didn't look at my season prediction before I did this, but I think at this point in the season, like with Michael Porter assumed to be on the roster and with Blake Harris still here and all that. I think I'd picked Missouri at this point to be like 14 and four and three and two in the league without him. They're 13 and five and, and three and two in the league. I, I mean, I don't know how this is anything other than pretty much an unqualified success for the first half of the, we're exactly at the halfway or a little beyond the halfway point of the season. I mean, absolutely don't think anybody could be disappointed with where this team's at. No, I, I don't think you can. And I mean, the thing with, where they're at right now is, I mean, you look outside of that Utah game, I mean, they have been in and probably should have won um, maybe outside the Arkansas game, but I mean, they had a chance to, to win it. in the Oh, final I think second. they definitely should have won that one. Um, but they, other than that, I mean, they should have won every game this year. I mean, the only game that you look at and say they weren't even close was that Utah game. And so without Michael Porter, they realistically could and should be, I mean, 16, 17, and 1 right now. Yeah. And, I mean, to look at that from, I mean, just adding Jonte Porter, Jeremiah Tillman, and Cassius Robertson to a roster that was not good last year, I mean, that says something about what those three bring, but it also says something about what Conzo has been able to get this team to do and how well he's been able to get them to buy into his philosophy and his coaching style and those things. I think the best example is Kevin Purrier. I mean, this is a kid who was – he was the number one option on this team the last two years. He was the best player they had. 
And now, like, he's a sixth man who hadn't scored in double figures in eight games. And and really, I thought, big reason for the win last night. And afterwards, he just says, hey, I'll do whatever coach wants me to do. Like, I just want to win games. That's That was what, when, when this whole thing came together last spring, I thought, I wonder how Perrier and Phillips and maybe Barnett are going to take kind of secondary roles. And obviously, because Michael's out, Barnett hasn't taken that role. But, you know, I, I didn't know how those guys would react to going from being the 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 number one number two players on frankly terrible teams to being like the number five or six or seven guy on a good team and and Kevin and and really even Terrence I mean he's not playing very well right now but for all indications are he's got a great attitude and they've handled it well yeah I, I think I mean obviously people who have been around the program can speak to it a little better but I mean you rarely see when a coaching change happens and you bring in, I mean, these freshmen and things like that, you rarely see the veterans take it as well as these guys have. And I think that just speaks to um, the culture that Conzo Martin has created. And I mean, also, I mean, just the, the character of guys like Kevin Perrier and Terrence Phillips that, I mean, have seen their roles pretty significantly diminished, but I mean, they're just happy to be winning at this point. I mean, they're they won eight games all of last year. And I mean, they had eight games within the first couple of weeks this season. And I think winning cures a lot of uh, ills in terms of playing time when, I mean, yeah, those guys aren't seeing the minutes or the scoring production that they were before, but they, I mean, are being able to be a part of a winning program and they don't have to sit there in press conferences after every game and ask why their team sucks. Right. How come you guys got beat by 27 again? Uh, Yeah, exactly. And, sit there and get bludgeoned by Kentucky or Florida or one of those teams and, I mean, have to go out there the next night and get beat by 20 again. And, and this is kind of a, a little uh, a little insight for her, for the 12 people that are going to listen to this. Um, so last night uh, we're going through trying to find kind of the last time Missouri beat a ranked team. And, uh, you know, this is Keegan's first year in Columbia and first year covering the team. And, and he's going through scores and he looks and goes, Oh my God! Kentucky beat them eighty-six to thirty-seven. That was kind of the last three years. Uh, you know, well, <laughs> welcome to the good times. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was. I mean, I knew that they had been obviously not very good, but I mean, you see scores yes. like that, and I mean, over that span where they hadn't beat a ranked team, they lost. I think it was five games by thirty or more points, and yeah. if I looked at it correctly, like fifteen or sixteen by twenty or more points. So I mean, it's not just that they weren't winning games they weren't obviously even competitive yeah and so to to see that turnaround they've made is pretty impressive that Kentucky game in Rupp is the only time I've ever watched a basketball game and at the end it was 49 points and I thought man it could have been so much worse than that (laughs) (laughs) Um, but uh real quick one more kind of we're going to talk about the SEC in a minute but you know, you mentioned kind of the, the losses and Utah were thrown out because, like, they weren't winning. They, I don't care. They could add Michael Porter. They could add LeBron. I don't know if they win that game on that night the way they played. Yeah. But um, the other ones, Arkansas, West Virginia, Florida, and Illinois. If you can go back and change one of those games, not like which one were they closest to winning, but which one changes the season most by changing it, which one would you take? I think probably that West Virginia game, um, I think that's really where they kind of started down that path of um, not being able to finish games late. And I think when you can finish against a team um, that really blitzes you for 40 minutes and you're able to hold off um, the runs that they make and the turnovers that they force you into, 
I think that game probably would have given them a little more confidence to finish out games the rest of the season. Um, and I mean, obviously last night was really the first time that they've been able to do that. So, I mean, two months between um, those games essentially. And I think that really has been the biggest struggle for this team is, I mean, not shooting, not defense, any of that. It's just um, when you have a lead, being able to put your foot on the opponent's throat. And I mean, we'll see going forward. um, They're going to have games like that where they have a lead in the last six, seven minutes. And we'll see if last night kind of is a catalyst for um, being able to, to turn that around. Yeah, my, my first reaction was the Illinois game because that's just such an awful loss. I mean, Illinois is terrible. I, I really think if Missouri and Illinois play 10 times, Missouri wins eight of them. That just happened to be one of the two that was on the wrong night. But it, actually, after I thought about it more, the one I'd change is Florida because, I mean, they should have won that game. And it, even even without with all the bad calls, they still should have won that game. Uh, but but I thought the refs took it. But, but most importantly, you change that one game Right now, Missouri is tied for first in the SEC with Auburn at 4-1, and yep. one, who comes in here next Wednesday. And, and that kind of leads into this league. I mean, like, I think there's 13 somewhere between decent to pretty good teams in this league. I, I think Vandy's pretty bad right now. But, I mean, a and sitting down there 1-5. and five, Arkansas's 2-4. and four, LSU's 2-3 and three and won by 20 in Fayetteville. I mean... I think on any given night, 13 can beat one or two in this league. I agree, and I was talking to somebody recently about that, that I think this is a combination of the top of the SEC not being as good as it has been. Um, Kentucky's obviously not the um, top three or four team just with the number of freshmen and new players that they have. But you also finally have teams like um, Missouri, LSU, um, even Auburn to an extent, that are finally competitive again. Um, You can't go into a game and look at it and say, okay, this team's absolutely going to win because they don't have the talent to even be on the floor with this team. And so I think you have um, a league that has kind of moved on both edges um, more toward the median there. And I think that makes for incredibly compelling and interesting games. I mean, we were talking about that last night at the game that, I mean, you see just some of the scores. I mean, what Alabama does, um, what Auburn did to Alabama, um, whatever it was, 10 days ago, uh, just how competitive and how uh, brutal that schedule is going to be. And, I mean, the players have alluded to it that, I mean, there's no off nights. There's no team that um, you feel like you can go in and say, okay, I mean, even if we don't have our, our best game tonight, that we're for sure going to win. I mean, you gotta, you have to bring it every night in this league. All right, so now I want to run down. I mean, I think Joe Lunardi's last last bracket had eight SEC teams in and two in the first four out. Uh, like, look, we know some of these teams are going to beat each other up. They're not getting 10 teams in, but I don't think eight's out of the question. So I'm just going to run down kind of the order of the standings right now, and let's give a yes or no NCAA tournament team. Florida. Yes. Yeah, no question. Auburn. Yes. I think yes. But I don't think anywhere – like, right now they'd probably be a four or a five seed. I think they'd probably end up more like an eight or a nine seed. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, they, they've they been, I mean, impressive in terms of um, the number of wins, but they're not particularly good defensively. Um, and as you get later in the season, and, I mean, you play teams like um, 
Missouri or Florida or Tennessee, um, you're going to have to win some games defensively. And I don't know that they win enough games defensively to earn one of those top couple seeds. Yeah, they do have the best overall record at 16 and two, but I think that's going to be a team that fades a little bit. Kentucky. Absolutely. Yeah, they're a tournament team. They, like, I I watch Kentucky every, and Kentucky goes through a little bit of this every year because Calipari brings nine new players in, but they don't go through it to this extent. I mean, this is not a team that I look at and say, I think their ceiling by the end of the year is like a national title type team. I I don't see that. No, I think, um, I mean, it's probably ends up being, I mean, Sweet 16 team somewhere around there. Um, but I think, I mean, the frustrating thing, I'm sure, for Kentucky fans is, I mean, you see what they did uh, early in the season um, with some of their non-conference games and how uh, well they played with all those freshmen. But then you see, I mean, some of their SEC games, you see kind of that uh, youth showing. Yeah. And I think that's where they just don't have enough consistency and they don't have enough really consistent veteran leadership um, to kind of right the tide when things go wrong in a game. And speaking of the tide, excellent uh, inadvertent segue. Uh, Alabama tournament <laughs> team. Uh, yes, but I think it'll be. Um, I think they're another team that could fade down the stretch. I mean, that team relies so much on John Petty and Colin Sexton that um, I mean, if those guys have an off night, Alabama, I mean, could be in trouble against anybody in this league. And I think to rely on both of those guys as freshmen to continue to have the seasons that they've been having might be a little unrealistic. And see, I actually go the opposite way on them. I think they're going to get better because I think Petty and Sexton are, uh, I mean, those guys are special. And I think in a month they're going to be better players than they are today. So we're going to skip over Missouri for now. Georgia. No, I don't think Georgia does. Um, I think they're just so much of a one-man show with, with Deontay Mayton that I think they are another team that kind of fades out there um, toward the end of SEC play. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Tennessee, I, I, I'm a solid yes with Tennessee. Yeah, I think so. They have um, enough weapons. I mean, as we saw last night, they have weapons. They just couldn't make shots against Missouri's defense, but I think they've got enough inside and outside. And, I mean, defensively, they're a, a good enough team to probably win some games that they shouldn't. This one is is maybe the most interesting one to me, South Carolina. No, I don't think so. Uh, they just they lost so much off of last year's um, Final Four roster that yeah. I don't. Um, judging off what I've seen so far, I don't think so. Um, obviously, Frank Martin can can get a lot out of a little, but I don't know that they have enough on this roster to to win um, enough SEC games to offset some of the losses they had in non-conference i agree i think they're going to be one of the teams that kind of kind of fades toward the bottom of that pack but if they do get in the tournament frank martin should be sec coach of the year in my opinion absolutely um uh, old miss and mississippi state i'm going to throw into the same bundle i go no on both of those teams Uh, yeah i don't think so either um again those are two teams that um rely pretty heavily on one to two players and i think um that's just really tough when you get down into the conference stretch, especially if you have any injuries or anything like that, and you rely on two guys to have a really good night, um, that's not going to happen all the time. And if you can't beat teams other ways, then um, you're not going to be able to win the games you need to. All right, uh, LSU, I, I got a hard time seeing them being in. Yeah, no, I mean, they've 
they've actually impressed me early on in um, the conference season because when I saw the couple games that I watched in the non-conference, I really just didn't think they had um, enough talent to really compete in the SEC with with Will Wade as the coach yet. Um, but they've impressed me, but not to the point where um, I think they're a tournament team by any means. We're going to leave Vanderbilt out because they have no chance to make it. So now these last two are Arkansas a month ago. I would have told you not only are they a tournament team, they're a top four in the SEC, and they're like a five seed. I don't know. On our, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I would say no. Um, but if they are, I mean, I could see them sneaking in as a, I mean, nine or ten somewhere around there. I mean, one of those last, I don't know, ten or twelve teams that that sneak in, especially if they can win um, probably two games in the conference tournament and get a, a good win there. But they're just so up and down, um, and they're so uh, up and down away from Bud Walton that um, I don't know that they get um, some of the road wins that they need yeah. to, yeah. but they're just so, yeah, very inconsistent. And I mean, you see them win by large, I mean, 20 points against um, somebody. And then you see the other night that they lose by 20 to somebody else. Yeah. And I mean, look, relying on Mike Anderson to get road wins, hanging your hat on that is not necessarily <laughs> a recipe for success. Uh, I Like, I think they're going to be a team that goes to St. Louis thinking if we can win two, we're going to get in. I just don't know if they win those two. And then this one's the fascinating one. I, I thought Texas A&M was going to win this league. I don't know if they're a tournament team now. Yeah, I mean, I I thought the same thing um, when I saw them early in the non-conference schedule. Um, you see what they had with DJ Hogg and uh, Admon Gilder and just the, the sheer talent that they had on that roster. But, I mean, obviously they've been without a couple of those guys early in the non-conference, but I mean, they're sitting there at one and five right now. And I mean, that's a deep hole to, to yeah. dig yourself out of. I mean, you're looking at probably needing to go, I would say, I mean, 10 and eight, um, maybe nine and nine uh, to have a shot at that. And I mean, that's a tall task to win nine out of your last 12 or 13 games, especially with as, as deep as the SEC is, as we talked about. I a&M, I think, can still get in, but they're a couple losses away from, from not being able to save it. So, all right, so now, Missouri, we're going to know the answer to this, I think, in two and a half weeks. Like, they get through this stretch of, you know, road games at, at Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Bama, and then they got Auburn and Kentucky coming in. After the Kentucky game on February 3rd, I think I'm going to be able to say whether this is a tournament team or not, but we have to say it right now because that's the way I did this podcast. So, uh, as of today, you think they get in? I do. Um, I think, I mean, they go, I mean, 500 even in these next couple games. Um, I think last night was a huge win, not only in terms of their confidence, but I mean, getting a top uh, 20 win uh, RPI and Ken Palm, I think was huge for them. Um, and there's a possibility, I mean, depending on which Missouri team shows up, um, I mean, there's a possibility these next five or six games that I mean, they end up winning four or five of them. Yeah. And, I mean, they could put themselves in a position, depending on who they beat, I mean, to be a top, I don't know, five, six seed if they can win, um, steal a couple on the road, and then beat the teams that they need to beat at home. And then, who knows, maybe get a player back sometime later in the year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe the guy will just show up and decide to start uh, – 
practicing one day. <laughs> so the, the 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 goal really is the top four teams in the SEC because that's the double buy. So give me your top four in this league at the end of the year. Oh, uh, I would say Florida in, in order. Okay, I would say Florida there at um, one. Let's see. Auburn there at two or three. Um, I would say Kentucky would kind of be in there at two or three. And then I would say probably Missouri at four. Um, But I think Alabama will be close um, if they can kind of keep getting what they're getting from Sexton and Petty. Um, Yeah, I'd say that there's probably six teams that I would say could be in that top four, but that's who I'd go with. I go Florida one, um, Missouri two, Tennessee three, and Kentucky four. Okay. So, uh, you know, th- this will all be wrong, and somebody will dig it up and call us idiots on Twitter. And, and Absolutely. That will all be well and good. So uh, Yeah, there will be some Kentucky fan that finds this, and if Kentucky goes on a win streak and wins the SEC, then the uh, Big it, Blue Nation will be calling in to every uh, – radio station and emailing you every five minutes to tell you how much of an idiot you are. We'll have big blue nation on the next uh, podcast. How's that? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So, all right, man, appreciate it. Uh, Just wasting some time here and uh, enjoy class. I'm glad I don't have to. Yeah, we'll do. All right, Keegan, we'll talk to you, man. All right. Sounds good. Keegan Pope. uh, Appreciate him joining me. Um, You get to, uh, Here's some of our witty chatter that we always uh, trade back and forth on press row. So, look, guys, the SEC is – it's a really fun league. Like, I, I've said this a lot. I think 13-5 and five is going to win this thing outright. I don't think Missouri can get to 13-5. and five. Um, You know, had they they are they are two plays from 5-0 and oh in this league, uh, from being the only unbeaten team in this league. We all know what's out there with Michael Porter. If he comes back, like, I think Missouri is one of the, the two best teams in this league, but – I just picked them second. I think they've got every chance, but these next five games, they're at Texas A&M on Saturday. That's a game that I looked at before the season, and I said, that's a loss. In fact, I picked A&M to win in Columbia. And now A&M's not nearly the team they were. They're getting better. They're they're on their way back. If Missouri can steal that one, it kind of cancels out the, the Florida loss, I think. I mean, that's almost like one that you had in the loss column that becomes a win. And then you've got Auburn at home next Wednesday. That's very similar to the Tennessee game. Like, you have to win that game at home. If you don't win that game, I, I think you forget about being in the top four, to be quite honest. Then they go to uh, Mississippi State um, pretty soon. They go to Alabama, and they have Kentucky at home. So in that stretch, two and three in that stretch keeps Missouri on track to be in the NCAA tournament. Three and two. I think gives Missouri a shot at the top four in this league. Four and one or better, then you start talking about whether this team can win the league. And one and four or worse, then it becomes very, very difficult, I think, to make the NCAA tournament. So that's kind of where we're at. Just want to do a quick basketball reset for you guys. Promised a podcast, so we wanted to make sure to do it. Uh, Everybody's excited about Missouri basketball for the first time in a while. I thought it was a great crowd at the Tennessee game. And we will certainly, uh, this is, you know, storyline number one for the next few weeks, along with obviously all the recruiting stuff that we're doing. Ann Rogers doing a great job covering the women's team. Good story up on uh, Lauren Aldridge. 
Check that out on the site. And the Missouri women are at Ole Miss tonight. And actually, there is a show at halftime of Tennessee UConn. I don't know what channel that's on, but I assume it's ESPN. At halftime, the NCAA will reveal its current top 16 teams in the women's uh, NCAA tournament bracket, like if it started today. Missouri should certainly be one of those 16. And the reason that's huge is the top four teams, the top four seeds in each region host regionals. Missouri should get its first two games at Mizzou Arena in the tournament. They might set themselves up to then play the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight in the Sprint Center. They're going to get what I like to call the Kansas path to the Final Four if they keep winning. You never have to go more than 120 miles from campus and you can find yourself in the Final Four. So uh, two really fun teams to follow, and we will continue to do so. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. And, hey, I'll probably even get a guest that doesn't work for me that time.